we're, we're not making Citizen Kane here. We're making Citizen Spiky Alien Freak. <laughs> You're still listening. This is our final transmission. Welcome. Welcome to Final Transmission. Jamie, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Sam. How are you? Great, man. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been one whole week, as far as anyone is aware. Is it, what are we talking about today? What are we doing? So today we're going to talk about the 2008 low-budget zombie alien thriller Splinter. Splinter. Yeah. I mean, I was into it. I I I like the movie a lot. I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, I think you're right. A low budge ripping creature feature we yeah. got on our hands today. Would you put this in the creature feature bracket if you had to? You had to I think it, it features creatures. It classifies itself. I I, I mean, I, I think it's more of a zombie type situation, but th- there is a creature that is infected and does some creaturing. I think it's a cool smushing together, a sort of sinewy lurching grinding mess of loads of different genres all kind of squidged in uh, yeah and I, I enjoy it for that i know for a fact that I'd, I'd never seen this before watching it for the podcast and i must have picked it up and looked at it 20 times maybe as a, a teen i guess no when did you say it came out 2008 yeah Oof, i wish no as a as a younger human I'm pretty sure I saw this in in DVD shops or some maybe at TVL All Star Video. Shout out Haverhill, uh, and just never rented it. I don't know why, but I wish I had because this is a perfect Saturday night rental movie. Yeah, absolutely. I watched it on a Friday afternoon when I on my lunch break because it's 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 pretty short, a little bit longer than a lunch break should be, but only <laughs> only marginally. And I, I had seen it before, but I thought it was it was a great little lunch break film. I think it's, I think it's perfect for any time of the day. Yeah, um, it's a comic book movie. It's what is it, eighty-five minutes or something? Yeah. It's sub ninety. It's perfect length for someone like me who thinks two hours is too long. And it does not fuck around. Uh, there's no, I mean, there's maybe like a couple of slight lulls, but that's just where you catch your breath. I think it's a pretty, um, pretty fast-paced little romp. Absolutely. Um, Do you want to give us a little synopsis there, Samo? Yeah, sure. So, so my synopsis would be: there is a a nerd and his hot girlfriend. So immediately you've got an old couple. I'm not saying uh, what's his name from Road Trip isn't attractive, uh, but I am saying this couple is hard to swallow from the very beginning. What's the guy's name? Paolo Costanza. Costanza. Yeah, Paolo Costanza. A very uh, tricky guy to watch in movies for many reasons. I I can't say I love him, but we're immediately introduced to, um, you know, a couple situation. Well, we're not actually. We start on the gas station, don't we? So the opening sequence sequence is... um, a classic all-American gas station scenario. A young man working his shift drags a lawn chair outside, sits around for a little while, and then is, you know, potentially devoured, attacked by some unseen aggressor with kind of flashing shots of like spiky, furry, toothy. I mean, I was thinking when I first saw it, some kind of spiky raccoon or like a uh, possum with quills. I don't know. It was weird. And then, then we see this this. Slightly odd couple looking for a camping spot. They camp badly, v- incredibly badly. Uh, they failed camp. Paolo Costanza is obsessed with going to a motel. Very selfish because his girlfriend wants to make love under the stars. Um, so they vacate. They move on. There is another couple introduced in the movie 
followed by an unholy shit show of creature feature mayhem happening largely at the aforementioned gas station, which as a setting for a pretty contained small cast movie, I fucking love. Yeah. I love gas stations in real life. I love them in most fiction. I think a gas station is a fantastic setting for a movie like this. Um, I think this is like, this is right up your alley. Cause I, I, I imagine you, I think if you were a building, you would be like a grotty, like deep South gas station. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'd take that as the highest compliment I think I've ever received. Uh, if you were a building, you'd be Satan's hollow. There's no, well, there's yeah, no in my mind. I, I do. I, I, I love as, as like an emblem of Americana. I love every shade of the, the gas station tableau. I like the really shitty ones where you just have like sweaty hostess donuts. Uh, and I love the really high end, big, sexy American small town gas stations, like the ones that are literally the size of a small town. So as soon as I saw this was going to be set largely in a gas station, kind of phone booth style almost, I got quite excited. Is phone booth set in a gas station? That was a joke, sorry. <laughs> there is both a phone booth at this gas station and a gas station in phone booth. So. So I, yeah, immediately I, I liked. I, I, I obviously, you know, you can't um, you can't look at this movie and not think low budget pretty quickly. I think the yeah. the external shots at the beginning there when they're out in the wilderness seem yeah, pretty. I don't know, just kind of tough tough on the eyes a little bit. But everything gets so much better when they get indoors. So yeah. you know that screams low budget to me. Yeah. So this was shot. Um, I would guess on sixteen millimeter and then blown up to thirty five to make a to make a print, which is the the normal way shooting a low budget film in the late 90s, early 2000s, which I guess has carried over into 2008 for Toby Wilkins, who directed this. And so you do get, when the lighting isn't good, you do get some of that like intense blowout when on, on the blowing up process. So that does make some of the externals pretty challenging to look at. There's no real lighting in this film, but it's a fucking barnstormer, isn't it? It's just it is. great. I'm not, I'm not here for the production value of this movie really yeah. apart from in a couple of select areas but you're right and and some of the grimness of the lighting and especially the externals i thought kind of added to it like everything feels kind of uncomfortable there's real flies which i always love yeah. you know there's there's a lot of shit going on visually that feels a little bit stomach turning almost early on which is possibly accidental but feeds into the overall vibe of the movie and, and widescreen i think so so just an interesting look straight away as soon as the sort of setting is established as being very limited to like basically one country road and a gas station, I was all in. Yeah, it's sort of like there's like a real um, trend in like the in the early 2000s, mid 2000s of like low budget, single setting, gross out horror. Like you got your your cabin fever. I think that was probably the one that kicked it off again. Mm. And I and I love them all. I love cabin fever, but I especially love Splinter. I think it's you're you're sort of lulled into a you get the opening scene with with Skinny Pete from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul uh, as your gas station attendant, and you get the opening scene, and it's like it, it kind of looks like shit in the best way, uh, but it also you don't see anything really. It's it's all it's a, a big mess of fast cuts, and then you get these super low budget credits that are just like the bog standard like credit system that they've used the your shitty font on a black background. And it's and you're like, oh god, what what what's going to happen here? How how bad is this going to actually be? And I think this is somewhere between like NCIS and Speed. Yeah, it's it's so bad. They're so so sort of just cheaply done. And I think this film wants you to lower your expectations. And I think that's done on purpose because the end credits are a lot flashier. Yeah. 
than the than the opening credits. So I think I, it must be done on purpose. I, I feel like it is to try and get you to lower the, your expectations and bring yourself down to, okay, we're expecting something pretty shoddy and low budget here. And then it blows your mind because it's great. Yeah, and it, it does exceed almost every expectation that you have, uh, especially... You know what it what it doesn't do is sink so low as giving you really cheese dick dialogue that doesn't work or you know mm. i mean there are some lines i've written down a few absolute clunkers but in the beginning when it's when, when i i agree that it's subtly lowering lowering expectation it doesn't present anyone as like a 2d cut out or just you're immediately interested in the couple i think to begin with yeah. because there is just something so bizarre about the setting and what they're what they're putting forward uh in terms of the dialogue but you're you're immediately introduced to i guess kind of a nerd is that fair is that safe to say is is hollywood yeah. trying to give us a nerd here I, I would say that hollywood is this is a this is a hollywood nerd and in, in in the fact that paulo costanzo is like ostensibly a handsome man yeah, but just a normal dude <laughs> he's, he's got curly hair and he wears glasses so yeah so fucking, he's fucking nerd. absolutely he knows about trees so he's a nerd basically he comes across early on you're thinking like he's some kind of horticultural arboricultural expert or some kind of uh you know lab coat guy but yeah you're right despite being you know a, a canadian guy a handsome canadian man and obviously i'm, I'm right aren't i he was in road trip he wasn't yeah. famously in road trip not much of a career really? Really? i think I mean, was was he, he overshadowed by the 50 other actors that look exactly like him and big time slightly better well one thing i want to do later on with you is um you know, I, I want to recast this movie with you later on. So have that in the back of your mind because I loved what, again, in terms of lowering your expectations, I actually fucking love everyone's performance in this movie. And I yeah. think, I think the casting is pretty great despite you feeling like it's, there's a grind somewhere the whole way through with the cast. So I recast it in my head a few times um, and, and did not make any improvements, weirdly. I, I was quite happy with the cast by the end because it's such a small cast. They've got to be strong. Yeah. Right? Oh, I think Shay Wigman is doing all of the heavy lifting. Yeah, in this, and I think he's he's doing the majority of the acting. Yeah, and and I I, I don't know the the circumstances in which Shea Wigman ended up in this movie because he's he's a fairly established actor at this point. Yeah, I mean he's been in stuff by this point. He's yeah. in great shape. You know, he's obviously like doing other stuff where he has to be super ripped. He's probably in loads of like army movies and stuff at this point. Yeah, I would imagine. So so I don't know the circumstances there, but I think the idea that. The rest of the cast have this amazing like central actor to bounce off. I think it probably just raises everybody's game a bit. And I don't think the performances in this, besides Shea Wigman, are amazing, but I think they're really naturalistic and really apart from I think I think they deliver all their lives with gusto and I think they really believe what they're saying, even though sometimes they're saying absolute horseshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the sign of a true pro, dude. Yeah. That's a true pro, right? There aren't enough Oscars in the world, I think, for Shea Wigman in this movie specifically. No, I agree. I think he um he definitely raises the bar. He also does that that great thing of portraying essentially like a southern criminal, uh, like a, a road dug in southern criminal without falling into every single unforgivable cliche imaginable. Mm -hmm. He does it really authentically, I think even when he's being pretty cliche and just saying firecracker over and over again. He does it really <laughs> well. He just does it really well. Yeah. Um, he's got some good lines. He's got some great delivery. He's got some good action scenes. I think everything he touches in this movie comes out smelling pretty rosy as far as 
his performance goes. He's fucking great. Yeah, like um, I feel like he's 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 almost in a different movie. Like he's almost like I like prepared yeah. for like I don't know, like he's in True Detective season one or like some yeah. some like sort of grotty Southern Gothic style. That's like, exactly it. It because he's in uh, he's in he's in lots of stuff like that, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's he's of that vein. And I think part of that is maybe what's a little bit jarring for me in terms of the casting is you're right. I think he's acting in a different movie. It's like half the cast is acting in Tremors and he's in Take Shelter. Like yeah, uh, he is leagues apart. I think in terms of his performance. But that being said, I do love. I mean, for every like Shea Wiggum moment where he's, uh, you know, he's he's a true rock solid dramatic pro. You've also got Paolo Costanza doing a really quite subtle performance. I think he's a pretty subtle nerd. Again, he's not like lumbering around. You know, he's not like blundering into situations and you know I mean, being. We I don't know. I, don't, I feel like oh. This tree, look at this tree. I can tell that this tree is thousands of years old just by looking at the bark. Like, no, you can't, Paolo Costanzo. <laughs> no, you can't. And neither could the person that wrote that line. That's not how we age trees. You you could look at a tree and go, that tree's pretty big. I guess it's probably quite old. And that's about as far as you can go. But you're not a tree nerd, though. He he is. Well, he's not. He's a biology PhD. There's no point. There's no, there's no moment in here where anyone actually talks about his tree chops, I guess. But, you know, that being said, the cast pulls together nicely early. There is yeah. a, a nice, timely, and incredibly tense carjacking that yeah. essentially kicks off the action in this movie. Shea Wiggum and um, his uh, girlfriend in the movie, whose name, I believe, is incredibly forgettable. Lacey. Uh, you remember it? Lacey, that's it, sorry. Who is suffering some kind of withdrawal. We think meth, because he talks later about being on meth. Yeah. They carjack our original odd couple and the hijinks begin. Yeah, they run over a dog. Lacey thinks that it's her dog. That the dog maybe escaped earlier and they think it's that dog. That's not really explained. No. Yeah, it's stupid. But I think I think people make a lot of dumb choices in this movie. But they're, they're dumb choices that people might really make. For sure. And that's one thing that I really respected about this movie is it it's obviously showcasing loads of opportunities where the audience is supposed to be saying, you know, oh, hit him with the tire iron or use the hatchet. You know, when they get carjacked, they behave pretty realistically. They yeah. don't fight back. They totally acquiesce and get in the backseat, basically. And the film does a really good job of showing you, right, here's loads of opportunities for escape or to attack your captors. I guess it's to emasculate Paolo Costanza's character a little bit because it does systematically try and emasculate him the whole way through the movie yeah. so that you're you're teeing up for some kind of, you know, big uh, resurgence like, or, or yeah, like redemption. A Revenge of the Nerds type yeah. storyline. But, you know, from the very beginning, you've got this, like, you know, your, your gas station guy is sitting there eating his Cape Cod chips, and then he's attacked by like a fucking flying squirrel with barbs, and he is obviously killed. So yeah. you've got this nice simmering tension, there's something in the woods. Then we've got our guys getting hijacked on the road by a really menacing but completely fair Shea Wiggum. I mean, I was getting kind of, I don't know if you ever saw A Perfect World with Kevin Costner. I was getting those kind of vibes from him in that. Just, that. Like firm but fair kind of carjacker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's not like going in. He only shows the gun when he has to. So that that builds tons of tension, I think. And you're almost on his side in the carjacking. Like you think, yeah, you need a car. Carjack him. They're idiots. And it's hot and it's gross and it's buggy and the woods are 400 years old, so we're told. So it's, it's creepy as hell, really, you know, from the very start. There's a lot going on straight out the gate. And you start out maybe not loving Paolo Costanza's character because he's 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 bombing out his girlfriend by not wanting to sleep under the stars. And he wants to get indoors, and he's just think, being like, like sure, but she wants to camp what at the side of the road. It's a really shit campsite, yeah. Like it's awful because <laughs> like if you're 
shagging under the stars right there. Like anyone could drive by. Shea Wiggum could just drive by and be like, bow, bow, and then you're yeah. you're dead. That's what I'd do if I was Shea Wiggum and I saw someone yeah. having sex by the side of the road. I wouldn't actually. That's I've gone down a, a dark path there. But you'd have big rigs going going by all night. Surely these are logging roads, you know? Yeah. Honk, honk. Like they're, they're ten feet off the fucking road in a in a copse in like chest deep grass. It sucks. It's a terrible campsite. I'm glad you brought it up. I thought I was being I was being nitpicky. <laughs> But you, you, you start to relate to him because he he is failing in every like classic macho American Hollywood sense of the word to like, you know, protect his woman and and stop the carjacking and all this stuff. So I started to warm up to him at that point, especially yeah. when he's accused of having CDS, can't do shit. I was like, Yeah, he can't drive, he can't change a tire. This is a a realistic academic, like lazy middle class academic to me, and I like it. And then they're carjacked. So how 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 are you feeling? In the period between the carjacking and the gas station, what kind of stuff are you noticing there? Well, so I think I think it's done really well because it's it's really tense. Like like we said, you believe the the, the choices that people are making, even though mm. they're dumb choices. The movie wants you to want him to do things, and it wants and uh, what's his partner called Polly? I think she Polly, wants yeah. she wants him to to do things that he's not prepared to do. Like there is the moment with the. With the hatchet when they run over the when they run over the dog or yeah. whatever it is he's just there for a minute and he could run away mm-hmm. he could sort himself out but he doesn't which you know fair dues but the, the, there's a moment in that where lacy shoots the creature whatever the creature yeah. is and once again shay wiggum is is amazing in that moment like you genuinely believe that he's terrified that somehow seth has wrestled the gun away from lacy and shot her yeah which you know would be a fucking stupid thing to do in that situation. <laughs> yeah, it would. especially because like Lacey's not bad; she's just having a bad time. Yeah, she's strung out. She's fucked. Yeah, and she's she doesn't want them to have carjacked these people. No, exactly. She's she she's the whole way through that scene. She's saying no, basically. Yeah, and and this you know that's her potentially her dog, and she's she's obviously like you know psychologically she's not exactly a hundred percent of the game at this point. So she wants him who she has discovered is, you know, not a medical doctor, but is a PhD. So she equates that with bring my dog back to life. And yeah. there's some humor in that scene, I think, because I think um, Costanza pulls it off really well. He's like looking at this mangled pile of fur and she's like, fix it. And he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'll give it a go. I'll give it the old college try. And the creature effects are amazing because it just looks like a fucking pile of pink cottage cheese with spikes in it. It's like a fucking horrible, hairy little rug. Yeah, it looks great, and then you see the spikes grow towards his hand in a really quick, subtle cut, and I love that. It was creepy as hell. Like there's something innately terrifying about spikes that grow towards you, and that yeah. it plants that seed really early on. So, love that. Love that whole scene. Love the the sort of you know we obviously know there's something spiky out there. It's now on the road. It's spiked its way out a little bit, and uh, they they tear ass out of there pretty quickly to get away from it. So there's some some heightened tension and a good resolution as they start to break down and make their way towards this uh, gas station. Nighttime yeah. has fallen. We don't know. Do we know where they are in terms of what state they're in? I don't think we do. They're going mm. to Mexico, but they're also not going to Mexico. So I yeah, assume... Yeah, he changed his mind. <laughs> I assume it's like somewhere vaguely south, but like, I don't know. But that's, be... a good, that's a good thing. It's quintessentially yeah. humid southern America way off the beaten track. Um, which is great. That makes it kind of ominous. We don't know where the fuck they are. They don't know where they are, probably. And and this is the point where 
Lacey goes to the bathroom at the gas station and she opens the door and we have what I would call a classic kill me scene. Mm. The, uh, the gas station descendant from the opening scene is laying on the floor of the gas station bathroom, which is hellish enough. Uh, having seen enough gas station bathrooms in my time to tell you there's not one I would ever lay down on. So he must be in a real pickle. And he has spikes protruding from his uh, skin and from his clothes and his body is in awkward angles and shapes and he's begging her to kill him. Um, There's not many great kill me scenes in in movies that really stand out to me, but this is is one where I'm like, yep, someone needs to kill him. (laughs) He's not having any fun. Yeah. I love love the, the contortion. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I, I believe that most of the special effects of this are practical. Yeah, that's what I read. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know how they do that, but it's it's really really effective mm. and horrible and unpleasant to look at in the best way. Yeah, there's scenes where they've obviously got because they do a lot with hands. Mm. There's a lot of very jerky uh, joint movement in hands, and you know they've also got people with like crazy double jointed bits, and they've just made it kind of jerky. And obviously added some great sound effects. The foley work in this is is pretty on point. Incredible. Just so much squelching and clicking and yeah. just stuff that makes you feel really uncomfortable. Like my back is constantly up watching all these scenes with the jerky, creaky sounds. There's no way on earth that the people who made Last of Us, both the game and the show, haven't seen this. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. I think this, this is this is absolutely a precursor to that. I would say. What is it? Parasite? mushroom things i don't know i've i've watched the last of us sort of partially it's it's yeah it's it's like a fungus yeah fungus that's the word but parasitic um, fungus yeah yeah right. so it's 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 quite similar to the the spiky growy whatever is happening in this which which is never explained i go back and forth on whether i whether i whether i like that it's never explained or whether mm. i'd like a little bit of explanation but who's going to explain it like like no one's there so there's no scope for any kind of exposition on that level is there it's 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 just this tiny little cast i did i you know i i thought in my head like what about alternate plot lines or a sequel where like some you know some fucking guy from nasa shows up in a van or something you know yeah because i hadn't really thought of an alien angle until you started talking about it because i just thought this is you know what i picked up is that we're talking about how ancient these woods are quite a bit Mm. and it seems to me that something has been totally undisturbed and has just grown and evolved and it, it's, you know, some kind of, you know, parasitic, because he does say fungus and mold at one point, I think he does yeah. talk about, because that's, that's implied by the growth. Uh, and obviously it binds and it spikes and it stabs and it, it obviously has some kind of, I don't know, I, I'm assuming in my head that the barbs have some kind of toxin in it that is like a neurotoxin or something. But I love filling that in myself. I love that he's not a total expert. He just yeah. has like a rough idea of what's going on by looking at it and guessing. We're not given shitloads to work with there. Yeah. We're not, we don't have this like lab coat guy flying in a helicopter and tell us we've got to get out of there because it's taken over the whole Eastern Seaboard. It's just like, this is what's happening. Fucking have some fun with it. Yeah. And no, absolutely. I think the the film wants you to fill in the gaps mm. in loads of different ways. So it, obviously it doesn't tell you what's happening here. So it, so you, you have to sort of either fill in the gaps or remain sort of blissfully ignorant about what's, what's happening and why. But then also the way it's shot, particularly once you, once you get to the gas station, the the shooting style moves to this really sort of claustrophobic, super close up style, yeah. where everything is happening just off just just out of camera. And when you see something like like you say with the hands and they're clicking around and going and squelchy horribleness, that's exactly it. Yeah. Then um, 
your your brain interprets that and, and and then you you imagine the rest of the picture like you don't need to see everything else so it, so you're yeah. you're always constantly filling in the gaps here and it's it's such a clever approach to making you feel horrible yeah and this, that's probably a born out of necessity you've got this close quarters to shoot in yeah you know the gas station might have been like extended or, or you know you might have to blow out a wall here or there but it's pretty much intact you get a lot of 360s and this is just a small a small gas station that they're shooting in so everything's close everything's shaky everything's jerky there's loads of that great like rumble seat style cam on the violence and you know everything is super intense and, and zoomed in and then you get these great pacing breaks you know like you do in any kind of i guess like hostage flick or close quarters creature attack movie where everyone catches their breath and this kind of plans formulated talk and get to know each other and stuff and it's a bit like the mist in that respect i think like that's paced so well for me there's lots of like low simmers and then big rolling boils and it just works it works so well in this that they're they're so contained because it doesn't feel limiting i think they get to the gas station like 17 minutes into the movie or something mm. and they're there for the whole rest of the movie and you don't really notice that much do you no definitely it just not. feels like yeah it doesn't feel like it's not using it as like shtick to be in one locale it just feels like you're, you're stuck in there yeah and I, I love that kill me scene. I think it's great. That's when we see some real violence from the, I guess we'll call it the creature. You know, it, it comes out, it basically cuts Lacey in half almost. It just like completely eviscerates her. She's down. Everyone runs inside the gas station. And then we have this, uh, I tell you what was interesting. There was a shot in the the attack on Lacey where Seth um, uh, Costanza is highlighted, I think, it's the final driving home of his hopeless nerdiness. Mm. There's a shot of his shoes. Like it literally just, they show his like dweeby shoes. <laughs> literally in the middle of the violence. I think it's supposed to be he's standing there and not reacting. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's kind of frozen. But you, you could show that in a lot of ways. They just show his, his like cargo shorts and his shoes. And I was like, okay, we get it. He's a fucking dweeb. Moving on. Uh, and then he runs inside. And then I think we have a slightly different Seth on our hands from that moment onwards. He kind of ratchets up a gear. Yeah, um, I'd and... say so. To the point where he is ultimately the hero of the film. Yeah, for sure. Well, until Che Wiggum comes comes back. and Yeah, there's the, I think everyone's a hero in this movie. That's what's great. Like, no, there's no real, there's no real hard line between hero and villain. There's no totally inept, useless, inert character on the fringe, which always bums me out. There's, there's plenty of utility in all the female characters in this movie. I think they're not, you know, especially given the fact that she's clearly wearing the pants in the relationship. And that's, that's you know, that's sort of pushed to the fore in loads of different interactions. And I think what's really cool about how, how that comes through is we're, we're working with a tiny, tiny cast. And obviously nobody feels superfluous, but you quite often get that, don't you? There's normally like someone who's hysterical. who's just kind of bumming you out in the corner. Whether it's you know it could it could be anyone from the you know, the standard tropes, but somebody is always losing their shit, and you're always like, "Oof, can we can we act? Can we get this guy killed? Or like, can she yeah. just fall off a cliff, please?" And you don't have that in this. Everyone has their little moment where they wobble, but for the most part, uh, everyone's kind of focused on their game the whole movie. Yeah, and the nearest thing you have to that is Lacey, and she is dispatched yeah. fairly quickly. Exactly. Yeah, and she she also isn't just a wet wipe do you know what i mean she's she's in withdrawal so she's hallucinating so nobody trusts what she's seeing she's mm. you know she's a sympathetic character for the audience as well as being somebody where you are like yeah i think you're probably gonna you know this isn't an evil dead remake situation you're you're gonna die really soon <laughs> yeah. like i mean if i was in meth withdrawal just yeah ta just take me like yeah just, oh. here i am either, either give me more meth or take my life 
Yeah. Like, cool. I, I assume that's that's where where her head is. Yeah. Or and I think where my would be. Yeah, and and the fact that she she goes from being somebody who yeah we're we're maybe a little bit irritated by maybe slightly, but then she's killed in this horrible way, and then she's reanimated by this monster, and she. First of all, she has her hand sliced off by the door when they slam the door. The hand shows this like semi-sentient yeah. you know, thing like capability walking around on his fingers. Yeah. Um, and then she is she is kind of semi-reanimated and just smashing her limp body gorily into the glass over and over and over. And there's one shot where it looks like somebody really strong just holds her legs and just whacks her <laughs> into the door. It's comical. It's like someone beating glass with a mannequin. And she's just mush, like she's pulp and hair. And there's there's lots of comedy in there, I think. But we're mm. also still feeling bad for her, I think. You know, she Yeah. She's 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 undead. She's just being like the, the like fleshy, padded, muffled sound of like hair and flesh whacking into the glass. It's really fucking torturous. While they're inside scrambling trying to figure out what to do. So we lose her as a character essentially, but she's still very much there. Yeah. And the um the little hand thing. Her, her bit of hand that that's reanimated after the slam in the door. Yeah. That's that's, I think that's funny all over. Yeah. Like the the concept of the, it's like I don't know when you cut a worm in half or whatever, and, and mm-hmm. then you've got two worms. Just the idea that every part of her or every part of you, when you're infected by this thing, is is animated in some way. It's awful, is, isn't it? Yeah, and. I don't know. It feels weird that it wouldn't need to learn how to walk as a as a yeah. three fingered hand, but but whatever. Uh, and then like <laughs> Seth is like, oh, I want to investigate this and understand it. And yeah. uh, well, Shea Wiggum's character Dennis is just like, no, kill it with a big bag of bricks or whatever. There's a lot. There's so much going on in these scenes. Like for a movie that blows by in eighty minutes, there's a lot to fucking take apart in these little interactions. I think I don't want to go too far into the weeds, but. There's a great bit where Shea Wiggum says to um, uh, Costanza's character, you ain't no hero, kid. We both know that. And you know that's teeing you up for some heroism. Yeah. You're still thinking, how? This guy is like, you know, he's fluffing everything he touches. Uh, yeah. And then he comes into his own and he starts analyzing the behavior of this, like, ha- animated hand creature. And all I could think of in that whole scene is these spikes are in, like, all of your cartilage. They're like woven through all of your joints, and that's why everything's jerking around like that. It's horrific. It's really, yeah. really horrific concept, and I think really original. I haven't really seen anything like that before. Like no, I mean we've seen sort of jerky zombie movements before in zombie yeah. films, but we've never really had to think about the 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 actual biology of that and where yeah. that's coming from and how how that works. Mostly, it's just you're you're too caught up in the the zombie attack or whatever's happening. Yeah. So you don't really get to to dig into that, and and there are those moments in this where where it sort of just lets you sit while they have a conversation, and you have to think about why, and and where, and what's what's actually happening inside these infected folks. Yeah, I mean, I always when when I watch classic zombies, I always think it's it's like uh, it's a rigor mortis thing, the jerkiness. But these people have just died, and they're full of spikes. That's absolutely terrifying. It's like yeah. a s- slowly expanding ball of spikes. And I love that they come out in random places. You know, you get coming out of the face and the back of the head through the hair is absolutely horrible. And oh, we should also mention Shea Wiggum at this point, we know as an audience, has been uh, spiked. Yes. In his fingy. Yeah. Um, yeah that does and then he's also spiked 
I think he spiked in the foot, isn't he, when she grabs him, or is he is he just freaked out there? I'm not sure. I think I think that is maybe implied. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a judgment call at that point. But yeah, that doesn't come back for, uh, at all, does it? The the, the thing in the no, foot. They do, the foot doesn't come back again. It's just a hand. So yeah, maybe yeah. you're right. Just a just a hand. But he's hiding that. Um, it's starting to do some like classic necrotic, veiny. Uh, effects on the finger which i thought looked amazing everything yeah. that's like subdermal in this movie looks awesome there's a lot of care and attention going into making sure that doesn't look like eyeliner on a finger do you know what i mean it looks yeah, yeah yeah and then this is the point where you know we have this horrible like banging on the glass and this like fleshy just like roadkill woman that used to be his girlfriend smashing into the in the window and he's lit a cigarette he's pacing around he's obviously going through some shit by the way a comically huge cigarette like some call of some sort of like Newport extra long only in the south it's like <laughs> gigantic cigarette bigger than his head and then Seth is looking for a key scrambling around looking for a key for the back door and while he's looking he's saying door key over and over again and it sounds like he's saying door key I know that's maybe me reading into it I but think maybe door key door key door key and it's like he's narrating how door key he is I really think they're trying to hammer that home because I don't know, man. He could be saying a lot of things that are looking for this key. But he finds it. And then we have what I can only describe as one of the best cop scenes in a horror movie that I've seen in a long time. We have the yeah, arrival this, of a cop. This cop actress. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> she really, I mean, she, you know, she shows up. She's there to defuse the situation and catch the fugitive. What does she do wrong, Jamie? Take me through it from the, from mean, the manual, from the training manual. I don't think. Her character is particularly bad. I just think as, right. an, as an actor, I feel like they just were like, someone was walking past the set and they were like, you know what? The costume that we've got will fit you. Come on in. <laughs> That's going to be the lowest bar imaginable for casting. we got one cop uniform. You look like you'd fit it. Want to do this? I'm delivering donuts. Who cares? Get in there. Let's go. Oh, yeah. I just, I don't, I just don't buy it. Yeah. I mean, mercifully short. She's only there for like maybe a minute. Yeah, but just uh, this is one of the things where the the characters that we follow are generally pretty believable. Yeah, but the the idea that there's she walks past Lacey's smashed up corpse <laughs> and is yeah. like, oh, what? Dennis Farrell, come with me. You people have been kidnapped, and this is bad. True, true, check, check. Like. <laughs> Great dialogue from you there. I mean, I didn't write this movie, but did I? Um, <laughs> but there's blood all over the glass. That's what yeah. you notice is eventually like, she eventually. the blood. Yeah. Like, how 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 far away are you from making a detective there? Love? <laughs> like you wrong, as I imagine. Thing is, the the ostensibly the creature has gone to the roof, but is that the lacy creature? Or the gas station attendant guy, isn't he on the hood of the car the whole time? Yeah, that's what I thought. So like, and she's just ignoring. Like, like it's insane. <laughs> yeah, well, you put it that way. Okay, I think I was a bit too forgiving of this uh, scenario. I mean, what happens? She she's not even like running the plates or anything because it's a stolen car. Yeah, so she just she just pulls up for coffee and sees a fuck show inside and then decides to investigate. Her character is there because there's no one else that can die. Sure. So we need to introduce someone else that can die just yeah. so things can keep moving on. Yeah. Um, We're treated to quite a good death there, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. So in terms of 
uh, people being ripped in half in movies. I think this is, you know, pretty great because there's not this enormous explosion of gore, but there's some really dark, like purple and burgundy stuff going on in the mm. tear. And the tear looks great. It's like plasticine, but believably fleshy. What did you think of the rending of the two parts of this cop? Well, I thought watching that cop die was one of my favorite moments of watching a cop die, of which I enjoy all of them forever. <laughs> there, there, There is no cinematic pleasure greater than watching law enforcement get fucked up. And I this... see a side episode here, Jamie's <laughs> top five cop deaths. I think that's going to be a thing. So th there's just something joyful in watching a, a cop, especially when they're portrayed like such an idiot like this. Yeah. Like they're yelling at her, whether you're yelling out loud or not, like you're 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 trying to communicate to her to say, "Come on now, this is stupid. Read the yeah. fucking room, dingbat." Look at the gore all yeah. over the door. Like the gore's on the door. But we're also <laughs> getting a message here in this movie. I think this is an arbitrary authority, just you know, failing to see the bigger picture and ultimately being treaded. Yeah, you know, and, and wonderfully so. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a real like. Dumb shit deputy moment, which I re I love. I love the comedy side of any inept cop. And I also, you know, much like you, really enjoy watching any kind of dumb authority figure who's just failing to read the room, like you said, getting it. And she's lifted in the air and torn into by what what we think of at the moment as just being a mass of flesh and spikes. Yeah. Um, and that's just cool as hell. It all happens on the roof, so it's out of view. You just kind of see this lifting and you've got the sky above. And all that our characters can do is kind of hear three quarters of it and see a bit of it happening just out of their eyeline. Mm. And it's really quite, I mean, it, it kicks things up to an, uh, yet another gear. Uh, you know, we've gone from bad camping to hostage situation to zombified girlfriend to cop being ripped apart on the roof of said gas station to now then trying to formulate a plan to get out the back door. What did you think of Shea Wiggum's plan to trickle a flammable liquid out the back door and set the woods on fire next to the gas station. How did you I, feel about that? I think <laughs> that that's probably what this character would have done in that moment. hundred percent on brand. Yeah. Like it's 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 again like the stupid quest, the stupid ideas, the stupid decisions, but completely correct. Yeah. For what do you know what you would do? do? Like, what, what would you do in a situation like this? If you would you want to get out? What, I mean, how are you behaving in in I'll tell you what, getting out of I tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't lower my body temperature temporarily. <laughs> to... That wouldn't occur to you, or you wouldn't do it even if it was an option? I don't I just don't think I'd buy it. I don't think I'd buy it. <laughs> you I don't, don't like being it. cold, do you? No. <laughs> uh, but no, like I, I I would sit in the room where they don't want to go, with where there's food and water until yeah. I don't know, a bus of co-eds on a field trip drive past and in the morning yeah, yeah. and just uh, distract the creatures and then maybe i would walk out bleary-eyed and live the rest of my life you would hope i mean there is a there is a serious and intense desire for them to get out isn't there and that did surprise me because i thought too like dude you're in the happiest place on earth you're in an american gas station <laughs> you've got cinnamon crunch donuts and like I don't know, maybe even, uh, you know, micheladas in a can. Like, you could have the best night of your life in here. Just crank the jams. You've got security cameras. You know, I mean, the glass is an issue, I guess. The glass is very breakable, isn't it? Yeah, but they, they I mean, they don't, the creature 
isn't interested in coming into that back room because it's yeah. cold or whatever. Well, this is where we move to the back of the shack. And yeah. yes, it is determined pretty quickly that the reason the creature is not uh, trying to attack them in there, but it is in other areas, is because the cold is masking their presence from it. So it senses, uh, has some kind of body temperature, sensory perception of threats and prey. So at this point, Shea Wiggum is not doing well in the spiked in the hand department. Did, did uh, I miss out the bit where they cut his hand off? That's coming right up. Okay. So that, that happens when they go back into the back room. Okay. He starts to get a lot of pain. His arm starts doing horrible things to the point where eventually it just snaps backwards on itself really loudly. And the decision is made to remove the arm. Initially with a Stanley knife, which yeah. is horrifying on every level. But like a, it's a clean cut. I've I've used like a like an art blade and, yeah. and like fucked up my finger before. So like yeah. you can you can you get a good clean deep horrible cut with one of those. But oh, they're horrific. But I mean, as what is as what happens in the movie, it's not gonna go through bone. Oh, dude! I was at work once, and a guy was using a Stanley knife towards his body, which Oof. is like the first thing you don't do, right? And he slipped. And it just, the whole blade, which is only, what, like, maybe three quarters of an inch, but yeah. triangle, just straight into the upper, meaty, inner part of his thigh and groin area. And that thing just would not stop bleeding. His trousers were red in the amount of time it took me to get him to, like, the side office. He was absolutely drenched from the waist down. Like There's, like, there's like a, a big artery there, right? It was here, yeah, right? your femoral artery is like, oh, I don't give a shit. He's probably fine. Uh, <laughs> I just left him there. No, I'm kidding. He's fine. I see him all the time. He's absolutely fine. I see um, him all the time in my dreams. Yeah, he's on the we, wind. Yeah, <laughs> we we talk, you know, at the cemetery. But he, you know, there's nothing worse than like a rusty, shitty box cutter in the back of a fucking gas station, though. Do you know what I mean? To saw mm. off your fucking arm, and they're going at it at the bicep. Oh, it's horrible. You're so blasé about this shit. It drives me crazy. <laughs> But the thing they can't get through the bone, so what do they do? Do you remember what happens? They drop a breeze a breeze block on him. Like, uh, his arm. You think how can it get worse than having your arm cut off with a Stanley knife? Oh, I know. We'll wedge it on this ledge and just smash it off with a breeze block. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? What? I could not believe what I was seeing. The splintered bone, the shatter point of a breeze block taking your arm off. That was what you went for. That was your choice. What else would you do? Fuck knows, dude. Not that. Oh, my God. I was thinking hatchet the whole time. Someone's got to go to the car and get the hatchet. And that's, oh, that's a great shout. They yeah. Get got. Um, but then I was also thinking, you're in an American gas station. It's going to be full of, like, cutty stuff. There's probably bolt cutters out there. You get through the bone of the bolt cutters. Oh, I can't believe I just said that. It's awful. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, that really fucked me up, that scene. The idea of the trauma, the shock trauma, which is having your arm shattered off with a breeze block. Do you think the bolt cutters would be better? Or do you think we'd be having a conversation very similar to this had they used bolt cutters? <laughs> it would be awful. It would be absolutely awful. Um, it would be slower, I would imagine, with bolt cutters. Do you reckon it's one snip? Or do you reckon it's like you, 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 put, you, you line it up and then basically you hold it and, you then, jump on it and then Polly jumps on it? Probably, dude. Or like sits down on it really hard or something. I used to use a fairly dull set of bolt cutters to open the back of container trucks because they're you know they're custom sealed. Is this and when you're when you're on your life of crime? Yeah, exactly. When I was when I was when you were a human trafficker. 
<laughs> yeah, my side hustle. We call it a side hustle, Jamie. Okay, it's how we make the paper. You know, working in public service doesn't pay the bills. We got a human traffic, and you you have to have your arms out really wide. So you have to have like you have to be really fucking strong to get these fuckers closed to break something. So it could be a two man job to to get through a human balloon. Yeah, a two human job. That's like a four Seth job then. Yeah, yeah, it's for Seth to fail at. Um, so yeah, so uh, yeah. The, the breeze block is the only option. Oh, it's so grisly. It was really grisly. And it, the, the movie is going at such a clip, you just fly over it. It's just like, yeah, done. He wraps it up in a fucking bandage and carries on talking about his life. Like, astonishing. Yeah, I think it's around this point where I start to lose lose it a little bit with Shea Wigan's character. Yeah. I don't love the the ex-con with a heart of gold yeah redemption uh, revelation like i don't i don't buy that he just like real quick yeah just like stick the landing he's a dickhead but yeah. you're in a situation where being a dickhead is kind of okay yeah and you, then you need that you need that dick not the I mean, first time i've said that today but you need that dick in that scenario yeah. to, to do all the fucking Charlie work, to do the stuff that nobody else can or will do, and to, to have the ingenuity and the scrappiness to kind of get through it. Um, you don't need him thinking about getting the money to the dead trucker's wife. Like, that's the only little stumbling point for me there, I think. Yeah. I mean, so what, what we're setting up there is that he's ultimately going to sacrifice himself for the good of Seth for whatever reason. Yeah. Like he could do that because they built up a relationship. It doesn't need to be mm-hmm. because he's secretly a great dude. Exactly, and that again is, I think, what this movie does really well. They're in tight, close quarters the whole time. There's a lot of dialogue in this, and they do they do have a really genuine mutual respect by the end, which I love. Yeah, you know, you, you do get like a, you know, the beginning. He's disgusted by his lack of manhood, isn't he? He's literally like sneering at him and cannot stand to be around him, and obviously completely dehumanizes him so that he can victimize him basically for the whole first half of the movie and then you see there's this actual like respect or you can do something i can't think uh you can you can think uh so you do see him come around in that way and you're right you don't really need to layer on top of that the uh it's cam with the hat of gold but you know they do and it doesn't kill the movie or the pace because they just again they just bang through it they're like here's what i did here's what happened how the fuck we getting out of here and then you're on from page fifty or whatever. You're, yeah, then we're into trying to get the radio. Yeah, which is a very cool scene. I think. What yeah. did you make of this scene? You like it? I mean, it's it's super tense because you know what's happening. Yeah, but like you always know what's happening at the end of that scene, and it's just how long they could ratchet it up with tape together, fucking co hangers, whatever it is. Yeah, and like he can't quite clip it around the 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 cable. Yeah. And then the cable's too far stretched, and then bam, the ha- the arm is through the thing, and yeah. then you're inside gnarly, all oh, scrapey, scrapey. The skin's oh, coming dude. off. It's, it's just horrible. Flesh. It's like a turkey leg going in and out of a letterbox. It's just like. It's well, you've just made it sound dude. delicious. Do <laughs> we just check the door quickly? I think I got a delivery. Um, yeah, and, and the it's around this point that we know that the 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 creature has started to bind the humans together. We we see like mm. this awesome shot, obviously like some kind of crazy reversal of, of the two parts of the shredded cop being enmeshed with each other with these spikes, which is such a cool image. 
and it's such a brutal effect. So now we know we're working with some kind of three-person dog possum monster hybrid that just does not give a shit about shredding the flesh from its body trying to get through tiny little gaps yeah. which is even more horrifically terrifying so it, it, you're right it does a cliche thing of like is he going to get the thing he's fishing for it but it, it brings something new to the party by ratcheting that up a little bit um yeah no, i think it's great i think like we, we know what's going to happen yeah but i think it wants us to know what's going to happen and it's all yeah. about building that moment so then when when there's that reveal at the end it's like holy shit this is exactly what i wanted to happen and it's horrible exactly and and somewhere in there you know in this whole mess there's just a really cool shot of a moth you know when it all dies down one of the transitional shots to kind of get you back to the quiet place at the back is just this gnarly shot of a moth it looks great just little things like that um just woven in Keep yeah. the tension high. Moths look really alien, and I think that's maybe what they're trying to say there. Like it's insect, it's, it's an insect. It looks is a moth an insect? I hope so. Tell us in the comments. Is a moth an insect? <laughs> yeah, and we don't you, read the comments. Don't we don't, read don't tell comments. us. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, there's one thing I need to raise here at this point before we leave this scene. Um, during the Shaywigan arm arm cutting scene, hmm. we're treated to what I think is. A contentious piece of dialogue. I would say it's one of the best pieces of dialogue in the whole movie, but I want to hear what you think of it because you think there's some real cheese stick stuff in here. But Polly's character, character says, it's okay, we're cutting your arm off. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard just now that I fired. <laughs> <laughs> That's the seal of approval. <laughs> That's the one. Okay, good. I'm glad you approved. <laughs> what's what's to complain about? It's great. Good dialogue, dude. It's okay, we're cutting your arm off. Perfect absolutely perfect and all this happens in the space of fucking like a couple of minutes and then we come up with a plan that i would like you to explain please i called it chili boy plan do you want to but, explain how they come up with this no because it's bullshit <laughs> it's like oh we need to get someone out of the building for a minute so we yeah. can have something scary happen yeah we need to have a ticking timer so we can build up some tension i think this is the the weakest part of the movie for me. The okay. idea that, like, again, you're in a room where they're not interested in coming in to find you. You've got yeah. a, a, a big fridge worth of stuff. Why are you drinking got... a beer at this point? She's drinking yeah. a Corona. Yeah. So, like, why why are you doing this? Why are you lowering your body temperature artificially to 83 degrees or something so you can it's go outside the... to the car, bring the car around, but you've got to do it all before you come back up to 93 degrees. Because if, yeah. you, if you hit 93 degrees, all of a sudden the creature's going to know that you're there and come get you. It's <laughs> it's it's gibberish. It's absolute, like, pseudoscience horseshit. It's just, it's nonsense. I hate, I hate it. So you don't like it? <laughs> After this, this is great because I completely bought it the whole way through. I was just like, yes, get all that ice. Chill him down. He's invisible. But the, the, the bit that sells it to me is Shea Wiggum literally looks at him and says, you'll be a fucking ghost out there. And I was like, yes, well, do it. Chill yourself. Get cold. Get cold, boy. It's his hero moment. Don't take it away from him. He's like, wearing terrible shoes. I, I, I get it, but it doesn't It doesn't work. It, uh, yeah, it is, it is dumb as a shoe. 
But is it is it in keeping with the rest of the movie's dumbness? Because there is a, a good heaping of dumbness in this, which is a good kind of dumbness, in my opinion, a great dumbness, the kind of dumbness that we revere of this podcast. Is it Does it go too far for you? I, I mean, we've talked a lot about people making decisions that they would make and then being stupid decisions. But I don't think this is a decision that, that Seth's character would make. I don't think Seth would think, yeah, I'm going to chill myself out. I'm going to get so chilled out that the spooky shit can't get me. That sounds yeah. like me. Sounds like me being 15 and being scared of my stepdad. So I smoked so much weed. <laughs> I get so chilled out. The scariest thing can't get me. Do you think this was written by a 15 year old potentially? I mean, I mean, the premise is sick. It must be coming from a young mind. It's definitely, it's definitely um, a, a screenwriter or a couple of screenwriters at the start of their start of their game. So, so you're kind of switching off a little bit in the chill scene where he's talking to his girlfriend and they're having a bit of, you know, there's a bit of repartee there. There's not many cold jokes, which I was kind of bummed about. I was hoping for some puns. Um, but he is, I think he does, he, as, you know, kind of asinine as the idea is, I think he gives a good performance of being really fucking cold, which I don't think is easy. No, I agree. It's probably not easy. But also, did he not think about how when you're really cold, it's difficult to like do stuff? Yeah, like if you try to that. drive a car when you're really cold, I mean, I've never tried to drive a car in my life, but um, <laughs> it is hard when you're cold. I can tell you that for sure. Like if you're if you're to the point if you're so cold that like nature doesn't acknowledge you anymore, then <laughs> then uh, you know it's be tough to drive. <laughs> yes, dude, I agree. I I'm just trying to say he performed well. He did good, and I think what what's great about that, well, maybe not great. What's fun about that? is that you immediately realize he's not going to fucking be able to pull it off at no. all because he's fucked. He's walking around with a thermometer in his mouth, shambling along, unable to open doors or move his hands properly. He can't drive that car. He can't do anything useful. And that's when you have this full collapse of the plan, which I think is fun because it just goes to total anarchy at that point. It's every man for himself. It's yeah. fucking mayhem. So I, I lost myself a little bit in the last sec action section in this movie because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. He got a shotgun somehow. That happened. Yeah, like, where was... Did they have the shotgun earlier on? Because, like, why wouldn't you have used it a thousand times before? Yeah. These little, little guys running around. Shoot the I was in the cop car. It's in the cop car. Oh, yeah. That's it. That would make yeah, sense. just remembered, yeah. So they get they loot the cop car. You know, we're in video game territory now. He gets the shotgun. He totally fucks up. He can't load it. it you know, uh, the ineptitude is coming back, and you think for a second, have we put our false hope in have we put our genuine hope in Seth and it's gonna be turn it's gonna turn out to be terrible because he's a completely useless goon who's not freezing gold. <laughs> what what's gonna happen? And eventually we get to the point where through all this anarchic fighting and shotgun firing and everything else, Shay Wiggum um gets to the point where he, he's about to have his the completion of his redemptive arc. And th th again, there's a lot of great sound in here. You know, mm -hmm. this clicky crunchy squelchy noise i'd love to know how they got those sounds and, and where all that comes from but yeah basically my my notes here say currently besieged by a flesh spine megatron chili boy fucks it gets a shotgun and blaps the practical effects rule that was my, the extent of my notes for that whole scene i mean that's so what happens it looks stunning the monster yeah. is like you know it's it's everything it's the thing it's Every like melty creature in you know it's like RoboCop. It's it's got it all plus yeah. spikes, which is amazing. You're looking at a, a fleshy mixture of roadkill humans, 
and a bramble bush and it rips it just looks so cool yeah it really does and that that sort of final i mean again we know that you can't just shoot a, a can of propane and cause a gigantic explosion we've all seen mythbusters at this point but i didn't um, know that it just ruined it for me i genuinely thought if i shot a propane says like don't fucking go near it let alone don't shoot me with a shotgun it just wouldn't explode like that mm. it would just sort of leak out and then maybe poison someone slowly but he's already shot the gas uh the, you know the petrol pump at that point so that's on fire yeah okay yeah maybe but then like he well, says well, fuck it four times in that scene by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the director said it even more times <laughs> yeah they were gonna end this thing we're in danger of hitting 90 minutes here we gotta end this movie <laughs> yeah we do have this redemption scene where Shea Wiggum is laying on his back, the creature's down, and he blows up the gas station around him to, you know, to kill it and to free our couple to, you know, run off into the night and enjoy many more camping uh, anniversaries. So, how do you feel about the resolution of that section of the movie? Obviously, it's, you weren't in love with the property. It's 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 the only way this movie would have ended, right? Yeah, there's that all showing up. Yeah, there's that, there's aliens showing up, or there's like yeah. loads of helicopters and dudes yeah. in jack boots like coming down and quarantining the area and killing everybody inside. So Which, out of those three options, what do you like best? I quite like everybody dying. So the idea that the army comes in to contain this area where they've they've found that this muck is flopping about. They're like and they just come in and they, they don't care whether these people are infected or not, they just gun them down. I think like, I, yeah. I I I would love that as an ending. But I mean, it's a nuke. Yeah. Wipe it out. It's not particularly original to do that. So, I mean, it it makes sense for them to not. But, like, there's no original way to end this movie. No. And by the ending, I feel like I'm in a creep show comic. And I, I, you know, I see that as a pretty natural ending for this movie. Can you think of any others that you really enjoy that are maybe along a similar vein? Is there any, like, wipe out ending? The Mist, yeah. I mean, it's that's what I was thinking about. One of the most quintessentially bummer everyone dies endings. Um, I remember watching The Mist with my uh, previous girlfriend, mm. and she was inconsolable after the end of The Mist, and I was just laughing at her stupid <laughs> fucking face. And it was it was just so fun. Such just, an incendiary switcheroo. It's not such a head fuck, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd, re- I'd read the book, so or I read the, the story, so I... Mm. I thought I was in for something completely different there. I didn't know that was because it's different. And I, I was just absolutely gobsmacked. And like you, loved it. There was a point in my life where I hated it. Yeah. I, I felt like it was a cop-out mm. where I, I felt like it was the most horrible thing that could happen for no good reason. Sure. But then but then I did a switcheroo on it internally, and, and now I love it. I think it was the moment when it fucked my ex up, and I thought, yeah, okay. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the performance helps in that movie, I think. Yeah, it's Thomas Jane, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Punisher himself. Yeah, you're totally with him all the way up, up to that. And I, I you know, I, I didn't give a shit what happened in terms of just hanging on his every word in that performance. But, yeah, I think he sold it big time. And yeah. Especially, like, if you're a King purist and for some bizarre reason you like Stephen King's endings, you'd be furious, I think. But... I, I think it's a vast improvement in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, no, I think so too. Um, other endings, to, other endings on. on a similar on a similar bent. Um, the the film Knowing, uh, starring yeah. Nicolas Cage. I love a downer ending. I love I love the ending where you're like they can't possibly do the thing that has to happen at the end of this movie. Yeah, uh, and then they do it. It's fucking great. 
it's always a nice surprise. It's, it's you know, it feels like a counterintuitive decision for a Hollywood movie a lot of the time, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, there's going to be money conversations. There's all kinds of shit going on that we don't get to hear about. And somebody's brave, basically, and says, no, nah, everyone dies and it's horrible. Yeah. And no one's leaving happy. You know, so we, we have this explosion and we do have a super cliche walking off into the not, well, sunrise, I guess. We have him walking off arm in arm. He's warming up a little bit as the sun comes up, which, again, I like. And then we have this great panning down shot where it goes to behind a tree and you see this dog, this dog's mouth with spikes coming out of it, which is anything where there's like stuff coming out of mouths, especially animals. I think it's really fucking visceral and effective. And that's the ending. And obviously we're left with that cliffhanger and those slightly improved credits, but still fairly terrible, fast, generic, ravey, um, flashy credits. And one I, don't, I, I think did, there's some just some production value in the in the, in the credits at the end. Yeah. Where it's like we we proved our point. We can be as as flashy as and 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 tasteful as we could possibly manage, and this yeah. is what you get. This is your reward. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy these uh, very difficult to watch credits. Um, <laughs> but the thing that I walked away from this movie with that I've struggled with was the cast because I loved the movie. I really enjoyed it. It was incredibly fun. It was very fast. I I believed all the characters, but I could not for some reason settle on. I think I think I know what it is. I think it's the combination of the actors right maybe doesn't work as well as um possibly you would hope i'm still not 100 sure but what was fun for me was going through and recasting each individual member for different vibes okay so i wonder if you've got any thoughts on any kind of recasting well if we're if we, a couple of my ideas yeah if we're changing up the vibe i'd, I'd like yeah. to know what, what your vibes are, uh, are going to be so i can think about fitting into the vibe because the first thing i wanted to do was see if i could match almost like match budget and then right. i wanted to see if i could match you know match the vibe but intensify it maybe like if shay wiggum is maybe like a bit b-list at this point who's the a-list equivalent so yeah initially i thought how cool would it be if if his character was played by matthew mcconaughey okay interesting and you, you, you're you in a kind of a killer joe situation there precisely yeah and we nice. get the you know later on obviously he's in true detective in a similar kind of drawly kind of role he's in mud he kind of just is this kind of character but very much heart of gold so you'd have yeah. the massive heart of gold and the massive like derelict side um but i didn't like that i honestly didn't think that was a smooth fit so, so where, where would you stand sorry to interrupt but where where do you stand on michael shannon absolutely love him to the point where it actually physically hurts me um because like the idea of michael shannon in the shea wiggum role yeah like just that it would be very different because Shea Wiggum uh, is is quite a bit, quite a chatty criminal. Yeah. If it was um, Shannon, it would be much more like you're just scared that he's there. Like yeah. his presence is just terrifying. It's more of a horror movie with him in it. I think. Yeah, I think there's a there's a movie on the list called Bug. I don't know if you've seen it, no. um, but we'll we'll get to it pretty soon, hopefully. Okay. And it is uh, William Friedkin directed, based on a play, like a two hander with. Um, Michael Shannon and uh, Ashley Judd, and it's nice. fucking phenomenal. And I think you'll love it. But yeah, so I think just the, I, th I think Michael Shannon would be my, I, I don't know if we're matching budget with Michael Shannon because he's all over the fucking map in terms of. He really, and at this point in time, I mean, these guys are working together quite a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Those two are, are hand in hand in a lot of stuff. And he was definitely, he was on my list. He was in my top three, but he wasn't the total change that I actually wanted. Mm. So what I settled on. <laughs> John Cusack. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, have, have we seen? Are we, are we getting sort of fast talking 
like Conair Cusack, or do we want some sort of intense Cusack of the, that we've not seen yet? I want deadpan Cusack. Okay. I want like very deadpan, but also a little bit. Obviously, there's scenes in here that demand that he's hysterical. Essentially, I want I want not the full Cusack range, more on the deadpan side. Right. I just thought it'd be so interesting to see what you did with his look and just the complete head fuck of him in that role for some reason felt right for the movie in my head and i know it would be more funny than it would be good and that takes so much away from the incredible performance that shay wiggum puts in to just replace him with a pseudo comedic you know right pseudo comedic step in of john cusack but i thought it would be it would be very fun was my kind of my bottom line there that's interesting i mean i i would probably think of it in a different way and maybe go sort of maybe like a royal a horror royalty sort of route. Someone maybe like Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane would be pretty good. Pretty I mean, I, th- I feel like Thomas Jane has played this character. Yeah, I feel like Thomas Jane. I mean, the the Punisher is 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 a an outlaw with a heart of gold, essentially. Particularly True. in in the Thomas Jane iteration of that. John Hawks. He was on my list. Yeah, I mean, John Hawks has. I think you would you would struggle to differentiate him between. Skinny Pete, the guy in the opening scene. True. Yes, you'd have to make uh, him a bigger dude potentially. You'd have to yeah, someone larger in there. Just, just because they're, they're they're quite a similar presence, although John Hawks yeah. is a much better actor, or at least a much more accomplished actor. Yeah. Um, you've honed in on a specific sort of genre of of actor that gives it a very specific sort of performance. For sure. I think ultimately they're pretty interchangeable, apart yeah. from John Cusack. He's an outlier for sure. Yeah. But that's what I like about the role is that it was probably really hard to cast, even though it shouldn't have been. It's just a southern criminal, you know, potentially a bit weaselly and yeah. you know, not uber buff, you know, looks wise, but someone who can deliver cheese dick lines really well, can also do the heart of gold, you know, come around. I think a tough role to cast, and I think ultimately what I settled on is that he he does it better than anyone I could have thought of. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, he is. I think I think McConaughey would have been amazing. Yeah, but it would never have happened, right? No, definitely not. Not in your wildest dreams. Whereas I could see Cusack just being drunk enough to say yes to this. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, if, if if this was made now, or maybe two years ago, it could have yeah. been Bruce Willis. It could have been... Yeah. been like, Nicholas Cage, dude. It yeah. could have been any of those guys. Those guys are working for like 200 bucks. Like, <laughs> get them in. Dude, it could have been Kevin Costner. Like, you know... Yeah, it's it's a role that could have been, um, you know, could have been filled a lot of different ways. What about Seth? Because I grappled with. Hang this on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've 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 landed on who I want to okay. play play the Shea Wiggum role. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob was in there for me as well. Yeah, because I thought of the Ice Harvest where you've got Billy Bob Thornton and John Cusack together in a movie, hmm. and I thought, yeah, Billy Bob would absolutely smoke this, especially like post Sling Blade era. You know, pre lots of terrible movies, pre Bad Santa, middle of there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, he'd smoke it. And like he's done sort of smoldering intensity, yeah. like criminal with a singular focus. Mm-hmm. Like in the in that first se- first season of Fargo, yeah, I think he would just nail this. But yeah, Stone Cold Hitman vibes. Would he be better than Shea Wiggum? Well, I never don't know. honestly think so. I think Shea Wiggum brings the authenticity that Billy Bob is always kind of putting on, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I don't really think Billy Bob Thornton is a fantastic actor. I think he plays great characters. Mm. And I think Shea Wiggum is actually a really fucking good actor and nails what could be a really 2D cliche dude with with some real panache. Okay, so Seth. Seth. 
So Seth is tricky because like you you have to cast someone that is believably nerdy, but then also believably in a relationship with uh with Polly. Yeah. So Which, uh, Elon Musk. That's so rich. I love it. He's a tough one to recast, dude. And here's what I started to learn. I started to learn this is actually really well cast because I yeah. thought initially I thought, okay, maybe you replace him with someone with a bit more charisma because I thought that was maybe the only thing he was lacking for a mainstream audience at least was that he had to have a bit more charisma. For me, yeah. he was great because I saw the subtlety in the performance and I thought, yes. If you're out after a few beers seeing this in the movies in 2008, you're maybe just like, fuck, dude, get a grip. And so initially I thought um, Devon Sawa, is that how you say his last name? I always yeah, it's Sawyer. Sawyer, is that how you say it? Yeah, that's how you say Him, because he kind of buffed up a little bit around that time, but was still kind of a nerd. How old, how old, how old is Seven Doyer, Devon Sawyer? And- Devin, De- Devin Doyer. He's uh, <laughs> it's a hard name, dude. I don't know. I can't look it up right now, but... Like I feel um, like he was in he was in Idle Hands what around two thousand two, and he's like yeah, he's like meant to be sixteen in that movie. So yeah, I mean that doesn't mean anything. But like we're only six too, years yeah. later. Fight Nation, all that business. Yeah, mm. he's he's got he like a teenager's face. Yeah, 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 and that led me to Josh Hartner, which I immediately moved on from. Yeah, Josh so, Hartner is one of those actors where someone might cast him as a as yeah. a PhD student. And they'll, they'll put glasses on him. Exactly. And, and that's... In glasses. That's what yeah. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think he would have done it. And then I went to a place that I kind of wish I'd never gone to, but now I can't get it out of my head. David Go Schwimmer. On. Schwimmer? Well, I mean, I feel like you're equating a couple of things with with the character that exists or the actor that, that played the part in the movie and David Schwimmer. Like, they're both, can I say, obviously Jewish? I think like, you're allowed to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like they're both, they're both, they're, their Jewishness is a big part of their personality and, and the roles that they, maybe not the roles that the, what's his name? I want to say David Faustino. I forgot his name. It's uh, Paul, Paul, Paolo Costanzo. Paolo Costanzo, yeah. Yeah, like the roles, maybe not the roles that he plays, but like certainly this role has a, has a, a, a fairly strong Jewishness in it that maybe only he has has brought maybe that wasn't yeah. on the page but swimmer would be the same thing um would he be too wet was my worry on the casting couch would he be too moist because there's something solid about costanza's performance he's relatively stoic he actually mm. remains pretty calm and he does say you know he has that nerdy line of statistically if you stay calm in a hostage situation you will live you know he is pretty together yeah and the shrimpster pull that off i don't think he could no i i, I just don't i don't I don't like him. No, I've only seen him in one thing where I thought he was good, and it was the O.J. Simpson show. Yeah, he's pretty fucking good in that. So, so are my- we putting in a Seth, or are we keeping? I mean, oh, it's two thousand and eight, right? What's mm-hmm. what's what's Mark Ruffalo up to at this point? Holy shit! Uh, a lot of a lot of bad nothing, I would say. I think um, this this is like his romantic comedy, but like he's pretty famous at this point, I think. So. Ripolo, that's way out of last field. Holy cow. Because I, mean, I feel like the, the Ruffalo that we see in the Marvel movies yeah. is he's he's convincingly a scientist. He's convincingly a nerd. But he's also he, fucking Mark Ruffalo. What does he do in Marvel stuff? I don't really watch those. What, what's his he's, he's the Hulk. He's Bruce what? Banner. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just put Eric Banner in there then. See, the Hulk, right? 
Yeah, but he... Toby Maguire. Let's put Toby in there. Maguire. I, I, I thought about that. Um, I thought about the guy. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, he plays Frodo. Frodo Baggins is Elijah Wood. Yeah, I thought about Elijah Wood for a little while and felt ill. He's got a child's face, perma perma teenager. I just don't. Never I don't seen. buy it. Um, Why did I go so kiddy with this role then? Because he looks forty. He could be forty in this. Yeah, Costanza. Maybe that's part of the appeal. Maybe that's why it's well cast. He's a young guy who looks older. Hmm. So Ruffalo at this point had just finished doing Zodiac, so he's probably not doing. He's probably not. He's probably not acting in this movie. He's not going to do this, is he? We have to work hard to get Ruffalo. Real good. Yeah, um, it's a great movie. Who else? Who else could we could we find? Let's think about nerdy actors. It's in, quite hard because nerds are, are normally done terribly, aren't they? Like you said at the start, he has to be essentially handsome to kind of pull off the leading role, but not necessarily overwhelmingly so. But believably dorky, dude, it's rough. Yeah, I, a lot of people came and went in my thinking, and I, I came back to this is a weird guy to cast. I think this is some some unconventional casting choices, but maybe it's great. I've I've had a thought. Yeah. So it's two thousand eight, right? Yeah. We've got a lot of stuff happening out in the world. Like pr- prestige TV is becoming a thing, but these actors yeah. in on prestige TV aren't really getting roles in movies at this time. Right. So I'm thinking, why not cast Hugo Hurley Reyes, uh, Jorge Garcia, in this role? That's a mind-blowing choice. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, you'd be giving him a huge set of shoes to fill. He's going to have to stretch for this. He's not done this stuff at that point, has he? He's not done... No. He does that open vulnerability and that kind of... Uh, self-deprecating ineptitude really well but has he done the together in a hostage situation kind of thing well I think he does a lot of that in Lost I think being on the island is uh, with people that you don't know and have never met before and you're stuck there Mm. forever and then you're eventually the god of the island by the end of the show spoiler alert Um, I really like it like his openness and his vulnerability and yeah. his his self effacingness and mm-hmm. and and the whole just hurliness of him, mm. I I I believe then that he would be able to be in a relationship with with that character Polly. He's very lovable. He's very lovable, and I think you you could put him. You, you we've seen him do some pretty intense things in Lost. We've seen him in some For pretty sure. intense situations. Era wise, I think it's spot on. That's my that's my final answer. I really like it. I, this is what's blowing my mind, though. I don't know if it's better. Yeah, no, I don't know if it's better. I love it. Yeah, I, I it it's it's helped me realize that I really like him cast in this movie. Yeah, looking at the alternatives, I like I I couldn't recast Polly. I think for for an actor that I've barely seen in anything, I yeah. think she's she's perfect. She nails it. Yeah, I think not not an easy role. Again, you know, she's being forced to be the heroine i guess if we're using those kind of words she's she steps up in all the action sequences she makes hard decisive decisions without being like overbearing and annoying she doesn't milk the dialogue she has to deliver some really shitty lines really really well yeah um, i had mentioned amy as my only other alternative okay. but she's kind of bringing a different energy yeah no I, I i just don't think i could i could do any better than the movie did no nope. lacy i had a real easy one well i just don't know if there are any other actors or uh, actually is out there that could deliver the firecracker quite like 
quite like she did. So, but yeah, God, Lacey. Who have you got for Lacey? Brittany Murphy. I mean, yeah, that's that's. It's lazy. Yeah, it's it's it's. I feel like it's a role that Brittany Murphy played at least twice. Yeah, I was going to do Brittany Murphy, and then I thought a nice subtle change would be uh, Dakota Fanning. Interesting. Was yeah. Dakota Fanning in two thousand and eight? She's like she even born. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was in. She was in the Runaways in what? Is that two thousand and ten? I'll tell you who you're not getting to be um, Seth is Keanu Reeves, but I can see it working. I mean, if this movie was made in 1992, Keanu Reeves yeah. is, is, your, is your guy. What's Jason Lee doing in 2008? Uh, I would say, like, pretending all of his friends aren't gay and delivering his soul to the higher Thetans and, I don't know, he was Jason still in... Jason Lee? Yeah, absolute Scientology. No. Come on now, mate. Are you serious? Yeah. I had no knowledge of that. Oh, that's so, so hard to hear. <laughs> I think he might be out of the, the, the church now. I think he might have left under, under a cloud of... Thetans. Thetans, yeah. Fuck me. Right, moving swiftly on. Let's not talk about that. Wow. Owie. I mean, who are you casting as the cop? I want someone amazing as the cop. Do you know in Wayne's World, Wayne's World 2, there's the, the scene where... The scene. Yeah, like... Yeah, dude. I, I literally, I wanted that to happen. <laughs> I wanted someone to take this character, this actor, out of the movie and replace yeah. them with, with someone with gravitas. So I want... What do I want? Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman as the cop. Amazing. I was going to say Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton would be amazing. <laughs> Can you imagine? Has he ever incredible. played a cop? He must have done. I can I can picture him like yeah, like maybe on, on a, Well, I mean, I can picture him as a, as a sort of downtrodden like right. detective, but I can also see him on like a motorbike, like he's in chips or something. Sure, yeah, I kind of got that image. Like Harry Dean as like a a uniformed cop is really funny to me. I think that could yeah. be pretty wild. Anyway, what we've done, I think, by recasting this movie, is completely ruin it because it it it's perfect as it is. We've got. I mean, apart from the car, David Swimmer, <laughs> that's fucking <laughs> and Morgan Freeman, and who ruins it? And a Scientologist and Devon Sawyer. Well, throw Ethan Superly in there, and we've got a full cast. Um, I think the movie it's it's uncomfortable at times because the chemistry of the cast is weird. But that's mm. what I fucking love about it. Walking away at the end, I tried to mess with it, couldn't touch it. It has a weird chemistry and a strange uh, a strange attraction. That just really works. It just nails it. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think you're completely right. There's no, it's it's very difficult. I mean, you could make this movie on a a, a, a studio low budget of like yeah. what twelve million, sure, and and it could be super high production value, and you've got big big actors in it. Let's say we've got all the money in the world, and you're casting Jason Biggs. Jason Biggs. <laughs> Jason Biggs, to be fair, fair know, is. He, he was on my list. Yeah, he was going to be set, but but like, if you cast Jason Biggs, then Jason Biggs has to die. Like, Jason Biggs isn't, isn't getting out of this situation. No, you're right. He's too his his fumbly is too meaty. He's yeah. too he's too clumsy in that kind of classic slapstick way. Whereas yeah. I think what Stanza does really well is that he's got that fine kind of clumsiness. Um, 
he's got that lab kind of clumsiness. You yeah, know? he's like he's used to fine motor skills, but under pressure, he's very flinchy and twitchy. Yeah, there's like there's like a, a like a real dexterous quality to the way Absolutely. that he moves. Every time he adjusts his glasses and leans in to look at something, I'm like, you're the guy for the role. Yeah. Stop thinking about other people, Russo. This guy smoked it. Keep him in. He's great. And that was so, my final. I yeah. found one good piece of trivia about this that I really enjoyed. There's an there's a there's like a the the lockbox thing has an address written on it. Yeah. Read this piece of trivia. Oh, it's uh, Wrigley Field. It is. It's, it's ten sixty West Addison, Wrigley Field. Uh, is this is, a reference to Blues Brothers? I don't know. But what I thought was maybe, I mean, it's not a reference to this, but what's really cool is I noticed recently when I watched Uncle Buck over Christmas, John Candy lives basically at Wrigley Field. His address is exactly the same, and he's in a he's in an apartment right next to Wrigley Field. Hmm. Um, so just a, you know, a deep cut piece of Uncle Buck trivia for you there. Well, there you go. Um, but I, I like that touch. Somebody obviously just loved the Cubs and slipped that in there. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I read that, and I thought maybe it was a reference to Blues Brothers. Yeah, it could be. But I couldn't think of the significance really apart from maybe somebody just really loves the Cubs. Yeah. The Cubbies. What were the Cubs doing in 2008? A whole lot of nothing. Yeah. They were not. Not winning. W- winning the Stanley Cup. No. Not they were- mainly because that's hockey. But yeah, yeah. definitely. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, man. Does that thing even work? No. There's nothing out there. It's just. So, Sam, there are loads of ways if someone out there was predisposed to that they could support the show when you reel them off for us. Yeah, I mean, even if you're not predisposed to, maybe we can persuade you to. You could uh, leave us a review. You could rate us on your chosen platform. You could pop along to our Patreon and chuck a couple of quid into the, uh, the old piggy bank for us to, I don't know, keep the lights on. What else can we do? Follow us on Instagram at FT Horror Show. That's an easy one. Anyone can do that. Uh, you could tell your friends. That's a big one. Yeah, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your boss, tell your weird Uncle Larry, tell anyone who listen about Final Transmission. Your weird Uncle Larry loves horror films. <laughs> you know he does. Like, he wants to be listening to this. He showed you Nightmare on Elm Street when you were nine years old, when you were way too young. He was babysitting uh, one lonely Halloween night. And uh, yeah. We owe Weird Uncle Larry a huge debt of gratitude for warping you into a horror fan. R.I.P. Uncle Larry. R.I.P. Sorry, I just killed him. So, <laughs> pour one out for Larry. So, wrapping up, final thoughts. How do you feel? Um, I feel great. Like this is this is a film that like probably not a lot of people have have seen. Mm. Um, I think it was fairly big in like the horror forums circles around the time really? and it and it and it probably did quite well on dvd but it didn't get much of a cinema presence mm. and, and again that that's all playing into the the expectation that the film wants you to have of over the film while you're watching it mm. um and i just think it's bloody great it's just it's just really good really well done it's paced slowly but fast slow but fast like it, mm-hmm. it sort of takes you on a little sort of journey I, I think it's great. Uh, I would give it five spiky bits of weird spikiness out of five. Nice. That's high praise. I think yeah. I would be amazed if this wasn't big in rental markets just mm. because, you know, it feels like the kind of movie that you would have an absolute blast watching if you rented it. So I know we've done a couple of these now, but you rent now, you sit down with your friends, you have some popcorn, and you're 
thoroughly entertained from start to finish. It's fun, it's fast, it, I think it's clever, but it's also dumb in all the ways that I love. It, the creature effects are fantastic for me. I, I loved the creature. You, it's it's a sign of a great creature when you constantly want to see it more. Yeah. It's not ruined in the reveal. It just rips and you want to see every angle. You want to see it in different light and you don't you don't get enough of it. It leaves you wanting more. Yeah. Um, Movies like this, Cloverfield is is what contemporaneous to this. I would say there were thereabouts. Yeah, it must be. Working to quite a low budget and mm. making a film like this, it's so important to make sure that you leave people wanting more. Or that you're Absolutely. leaving enough space for people to 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 fill in those gaps or to make their own make their own assumptions, mm. uh, and I just think it's beautiful. Sorry, and what a delicate balance, though. Yeah, you've got you've got this thing in front of you that keeps changing. You know, there must be many versions of this creature in in the you know in the in the props area or whatever, and you you surely just want to show this fucker off the whole yeah. time. It looks so cool, and all the movement effects that you've got going on, plus the spike growth, all that stuff to have the sort of you know the the artistic reserve, or you know whatever it is, the the, the ability to kind of hold back just enough to know what mm. your audience is going to be feeling and wanting shows that you're totally in touch with what you're making. Yeah, and what you're making is like a crazy, silly, fun creature movie, and they just get it bang on. Um, it's it's rapidly shot into my top creature movies. Nice. Um, I really, really enjoyed watching it twice. I watched it twice just for the fun of it, and it's it's one that I think I'll revisit. So I I similarly give it five. Um, spiky clumps of pink cottage cheese that's been rolled around under the fridge uh, out of five. I think Excellent. Makes. Love that. Well, shall we, uh, shall we say goodbye to the lovely people then, Sam? Let's that was very really patronizing, wasn't it? We'll say goodbye to the lovely people, Sam. <laughs> there's, there's few phrases I hate more than lovely people. I think, yeah, it's <laughs> definitely up there in my you know, immediate gag reflex list. So, do you want to go give your money to the man? <laughs> I remember the first time that someone just someone referred to me as the man when I worked in fucking Music Zone in Burnley. It's crushing, isn't it? It's horrible. It's horrible. I was when fucking seventeen. Man, when people stop saying the young man, that's the worst. Like, give the money to the man. What man? Oh fuck, that's me. It's my dad behind me. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> where, where are you, Dad? Um, a great movie, a great time. Thanks for hanging out, Jamie. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be careful on those back roads. <laughs>